Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen, amen. Stand up with me. Welcome to the house of the Lord for the third time today. Hey, let's open up with a word of prayer. Father, our hearts are bowed to you and we just stand in your presence. And I say that because we definitely feel your presence in this place. And we know that you inhabit the praises of your people and we appreciate that. So Father, speak to our hearts, illuminate our lives today, we pray in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Everyone says, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Go ahead and greet your neighbor as is our custom. This, This second installment of made to soar and we're studying eagles and how God uses that as an illustration and I was going over some pictures and I think we're more like eagles than we think we are so I've got a meme game I guess if you will so we're going to go ahead and go with the first picture here if you were to look at this picture to me it states this it's the father waiting at the door as his daughter goes on her first date All right, I got that one right. <laughs> the, the second picture here, let's check this out. Now, the mama here is got both hands up in the air saying, the socks are out of the drawers, there's dirty underwear on the floor, the plates are gone, everybody's left, but I've got to clean it up myself. Okay, maybe I got that one right too. Here, here's the third one. This is my favorite one, one of my favorite ones right here. <laughs> your junior high, your high school son or daughter has showed up and it's nachos for the no-hold neighborhood now. <laughs> More knees than elbows and legs and everything else. But they'll eventually grow into it, amen? Okay, this is, a, this is the next one here. Now, <laughs> if you've ever had a teenager that thought they knew more than you did. <laughs> and, and this stern look from mama there, I've brought you into this world and I can take you out. Okay, number five, number five, this is the last one here, and I love this one as a dad, you know, because the mom's been probably preparing the nest all day and doing everything, and here comes dad with talons out, here I come to save the day, and if you look at the bird there, the eagle, she's like, ah, get that out of here, man, you're, <laughs> okay, maybe I got those right, maybe I didn't, but, but the reality is we're more like eagles than we think we are, you know, pastor was talking about this last week, and In Deuteronomy, he brought us to the scripture to help us understand that as a a mother eagle leads her young, that's how God leads us. And this is the reason why that is so important. Because what we follow, we become. Who or what we follow, we become. We follow God, we become more like God. Amen? So the illustrations in our life that we use, what we follow is what we become. One bad apple spools the whole bunch. Every one of us has heard that in the room at one time or another. And what they're saying is characteristics rub off, behavior rubs off. So if you want good characteristics and good behavior, hang around those people and follow those people with good behavior and good characteristics. So whenever we talk about we're made to soar, we want to make sure you guys understand that we truly believe that. That inside of each one of us, we were made to soar. There's something inside of us that we can't explain that God has put that only comes from Him. And we were not made to be on the ground, but we were made to be in the air. Amen? We were made to soar. 
I had, as a young man growing up, I was probably in my teens, probably 12 or 13 years old, and my, my papa, I called him papa, my father's dad, and Bon was my, my dad's mother. We called him papa and Bon. I think that's all we could kind of muster up as we were younger, so it kind of stuck, you know. I tried to mature out of it and call her grandma, but it always went back to Bon. But I remember in their house, they had a door that I could not go into. It was the front bathroom, and for years, we would arrive at their house, Thanksgiving, Christmas, these type of things, and it was off limits. You could not go in that door. Now, do you know how hard it is for a 12-year-old not to want to go into a place that you had specific instructions not to go into? I would walk by that time and time again, and my imagination would just go wild. Well, you guys know the feeling that I'm talking about. It's whenever you walk into a house kind of unexpected and the pillows on the couch are immaculate and the dishes are put away, but you wonder what's really behind the closet door. You know what I mean? You're hoping people use your restroom, and that's great, but please don't open up the cabinet door below the sink because that's where I put everything because I didn't expect anybody to be here. You know, and if you've ever been that, per- that person, you're like, I just wonder what's behind door number one, you know? Have you guys ever done that? You've been in a house and you look behind it just to see if it was as organized on the outside as it was the inside. You know you did. Guilty, guilty, guilty. You know it, you know it. But that's kind of how it was. And I remember, man, I was thinking, man, my grandpa's in the CIA. They've got some intelligent stuff back there. He just cannot share with his grandson. It's too important. You know what I mean? It's going wild. A couple years later, I finally found out. I sat down and talked to my papa. I'm like, man, what is behind that door? And he goes, Matt, I was taking a photography class at the local community college, and I was developing film back there. That's a buzzkill. I kind of, you know, lowered the expectation, the moment, you know, the air, that type of thing left the room. Come to find out, he said, Matt, if you would have ever opened the door, the exposures would have gone bad. And I think to myself... We need to ask our same, uh, we need to ask that question to ourselves. What's behind us? A better way to put it is, what is inside of us? Now, if we're in the world and we're not saved, blood-bought children of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, and we look internally, all we find is self. And whenever you follow self and follow self more and more, you go down a road that you don't want to go, amen? Because self will never fill you. But as children of the Most High God, we have Jesus Christ inside of us. And, and we know this. Uh, Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. Paul writes this, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection. I mean, what a statement. What a question. The great writer of many parts of the New Testament had the resume, a great theologian. Yet even in the pinnacle of his life, he said, there's still one more thing that I want to know. I want to know Christ better today than I did yesterday. That I may know him in the power of his resurrection. In Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, he says this, Paul does, I've been crucified with Christ. It is, I, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Think about that. So the Christ that he's trying to find more about, the Christ that he's trying to chase now as believers, it is no longer us who lives, but it's Christ who lives in us. So do we truly understand the full potential? Do we truly understand what's inside of us? It's a great question. What's really on the inside? We should search and seek it out. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16, very famous verse. We're the temple of the Holy Spirit. God's Spirit lives inside of us. So I wonder what's in there that I don't know is in there. 
If one of the greatest theologians struggled to find that answer, but it's what propelled him and motivated and pushed him, I know that I've got some learning to do. Can I have an amen? It's a great question to ask yourself. What's on the inside? Because if we're really made to sort something that we don't always understand, it's something that looks beautiful and amazing, and, and it's a, a phenom, if you will. It's just a, a wonderful event, but God, I don't quite understand it. And then we look inside and we realize it's not because of us anyways. It's because of Christ who lives inside of us. But I want to understand that Christ more and more and more and the power of his resurrection. So it's a great question to ask. And as you look internally, that's the only place to look. This is the reason why, because in each one of us, we have a tremendous potential inside of us. But the potential needs to be released, otherwise it's just potential. But the only way to get that potential released is to step out on the actions that God's given us. That way we can take up wings of eagles and soar. Amen? Because whether we believe it or not, inside each one of us as children of God is that tremendous spirit. Oh, difficulty happens to us all. Amen? Tragedy. Stuff that we don't want to see, stuff that we have to see, stuff that we have to be a part of, broken relationships, all of us are imperfect, things like that happens. And if we were to face it on our own, it would take us down. But how many of us know the Spirit of God that lives on the inside of us and Christ that is inside? Oh, let me tell you, there, He's not going to fall to it. He can conquer it. But we have to realize that it's not I who live, but Christ who lives within me. So keep asking that question. God, what's inside of me that causes me to soar? What's inside of me that causes me to do what I was created for? Because we were made to soar, but the flight will take action. And this morning, we're just going to talk about three actions. We could talk about all the things that keep us from soaring. And really, I could sit down and write a whole list of that. And you look at me and be like, I know that one, I know that one, I know that one, I know that one, right? Many times we know our, we know our faults and failures. So this morning, as we look into Scripture, let's look and see what Paul has to say about how we can take our flight, how we can soar like God has created. Amen? Let's look here. Corinthians chapter Three, or Colossians, excuse me, chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. If then you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things that are above and not on the things that are on the earth. And he begins to say, listen, if you really want to begin to soar like God has created you, there's some things that you can do. There's some actions that we have to take here. And the good news is that we can all take them. It's just going to take a little bit of guts. It's going to take a little bit of courage, not only to start. Some of you guys have already started or in your middle, but sometimes it just takes extra guts and courage to finish, doesn't it? I don't know where I'm at, man. I just got to keep pumping it and making it happen. Absolutely. Paul says this. He says this, if then you've been raised with Christ. Don't you just love Paul? He, he puts you in a spot where he makes you confront self. And see, that's the action. If then you've been raised with Christ. He asks a question and he pauses nearly. If then you've been raised with Christ. And if you're, if you're like me, sometimes you imagine Paul in a conversation talking to somebody. And a young man comes up to him or a young woman comes up to him and says, Well, I'm trying to do what God has called me to do. But you know, I have this and I, I, I did this. And I don't know if God can use me. And I have these three or four things that I still got to finish. And I just don't know if I'm worthy, if I can do it, the sin, blah, blah, blah. We justify. Anybody else out there, sometimes we feel that way. And then Paul looks at him after all the excuses that you can roll out for 30 minutes or an hour. He looks at him. He says, wait a second. Have you been raised with Jesus Christ? 
Well, yes, sir. Then you have what you need. But see, the only way we do that is he makes us confront ourselves. If we're going to really soar like God has inspired us and called us to soar, then we have to be willing to say, God, what's inside of me keeping me from soaring that I'm not releasing? Because the potential's there because it's no longer I who live, but you live inside of me. So, God, you've called me to soar. And this is the reason why the soaring is so important. This is the reason why we come back and we say, God, I have to talk. I have to confront myself. Because it's an identity issue. Now, we talked about this last week, and it's worth repeating. In the kingdom of God, we don't achieve our identity. We receive our identity. Amen? We learned that last week. We, we don't have to say, okay, what do I have to do to earn it? No, it's a gift. Our identity is found in Jesus Christ. And this is the reason why it's so important that we find our identity, because your capacity is linked to your identity. If you want a deeper capacity to hold the things of the Lord, strengthen your identity. Whenever there's disorder and, dis, uh, and confusion and things of that nature, A, we know that Satan loves to live there and disorder and, dis, and confusion and stuff. But whenever we have that, it usually leads to impulsive behavior. I was listening to a money manager the other day on, on podcast. And whenever there's disorder, there's confusion, it leads to impulsive behavior with money. So now we're, we're in debt, we, we, we know we got there, we're scared, we're fearful, there's confusion, so we go out and borrow more money to help us get out of the debt, and we really get in deeper debt, but we think that's going to help us out. Anybody ever been there before? It's impulsive behavior that gets us there, and this is the thing, impulsivity leads to crisis. Now you're confused, you're impulsive, and now you really have a crisis on your hand. That's the reason why whenever you have your identity set, you realize that I know who I am. I'm on a firm foundation. I can, I can sit in peace and be there. Case in point, look at our world today. We have an identity crisis that is worldwide. They don't know who they are. Now, we as children of God know who we are because our identity is found in one person. That's Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. But if you look at the world today, you see disorganization. You see the impulsive behavior. Today I'm a man, tomorrow I'm a woman. Today I like, I, I, I you know, hang out with cats, tomorrow I hang out with dogs. Well, come on now. We've been watching the news, there's some crazy stuff happening out there. And we wonder, why are people so impulsive? Why do they change? Because their identity is not where it needs to be. They have never confronted their self and say, listen, I am not good enough. It's what every non-believer has to do before they get saved. You're sitting in the pew, you're in your car, you're having that moment with Christ, and you sit down and you say, listen, Matt, I am not enough to get into heaven. I need Jesus Christ to have eternal life, to have salvation. It doesn't matter how good I am. It doesn't matter how much money I have. It doesn't matter how educated I am. It doesn't matter any of those things. I need Jesus Christ. In Him I find my identity. And now I know I can stand firmly on the rock. And I confront that self. But sometimes as Christians, because doubt, because difficulty, because the world comes at you fast, we forget that we still need Christ. <laughs> oh, come on, don't get quiet on me now. We think we can do it on our own sometimes, and we have to drop that pride and come back to the feet of Christ and say, God, I need you. Matter of fact, if we would just go ahead and put a blanket and a pillow down and just make our home at the feet of Christ, we'd be in a lot better shape. 
Well, does God want you to do that? It says grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. Seems like an invitation to me to come sit at my feet and learn. But we find our identity and we have to confront ourselves. But our capacity is linked to our identity. Deeper capacity, deeper identity. I wonder if that's the reason why Paul said that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. But Paul, your capacity, you've written letters to all over the known world. God's raised the dead through you. You have a resume like nobody else in the world. And yet you still say that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. He wanted to go deeper in his identity. He wanted to confront himself and say, I am not enough no matter what stage of life I'm in. Whether I was sitting in the pew and I invited Christ into my heart five minutes ago or whether it's been 50 years, my identity is in you. I mean, you got to love him. If therefore you've been raised with Christ, yes, sir, I have been. Well, there's your answer. There's your solution. He's bringing us to a point, a fork in the road. If that is our choice and our decision that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior, then we can be encouraged because we're to a point where our identity is set. Our capacity can now grow as our identity grows. But our identity can only go, or our capacity can only go as deep as our identity. And we look at a generation who has erratic behavior, who sides one way one day and the next day they change sides and then they're this and then they're that and we don't know what we are at times and it's the identity crisis and i know we think matt do we really have to mention this as much as you guys mention it absolutely we do because we have a lost world out there with broken identities and we have the best identity that you could ever ask for and we don't intend to keep it a secret it's found in Jesus but the great news is as that identify as that identity solidifies in your life you confront yourself amazing things will happen God will take you to places that you've never been and that's what Paul's saying here He's saying, listen, confront yourself. If then you've been raised with Christ, and sometimes we just have to confront ourselves. Sometimes I have to sit down and say, no, Matt, you are a Christian, you do not act that way. No, Matt, you are a Christian, you do not get to say what you want to say. No, Matt, you have to give when God tells you to give because he is your Lord and Savior. Does anybody else have to do that at times? But Matt, if you would quit doing what you're doing and come out here and do this, you'd have a lot more fun. For a season, that's true. But then I come back and say, wait a second. If I've been raised with Christ, then he is my Savior. My identity is in him. So what he says goes. I confront those. And that's difficult. Paul helps us out as he continues here. The second one is we have to actively seek God's will and calling. See, we were made to soar, but there are certain things that we have to do to take flight in the action. So we confront ourselves. The next one, is there an active seeking of God's will and calling in your life? Please don't tell me you've settled. We don't want you to settle. Second thing here, seek the things that are above where Christ is. Actively seeking God's call and will in our lives. It's always going to be seeking what is up, not what is down. Amen? But sometimes we look around and we get so, um, we get so disoriented with what's going on the left and the right and the front and the back that we forget to look up and say, Wait a second, God. Your word says to seek the things which are above. 
It's amazing what Job says about eagles. Job chapter 39, verse 27 and 28. This is, what it, this is what it's written. It is at your command that the eagle mounts up and makes his nest on high. On the rock he dwells and makes his home on the rocky crag and stronghold. Where does he make his home at? On high. Sometimes we get so distracted because God's will and calling is high, we settle for the gravel on the ground and not the home on high. See, the eagles wouldn't settle for that. They would build their nest in places that was inaccessible. They built their, place, their house in places that was protected, that, that, that you could not just easily climb up to. Sounds like Christianity. My home is made with God, and there's only one way, and His name is Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ is my stronghold. Jesus Christ is my refuge. Jesus Christ is the shelter that I run into in the storm. And in Him alone, I make my home in. But if I'm going to make my home in Christ, I have to reach high. I can't settle for the gravel on the ground. i got to reach for the home in the high. In the crags and the strongholds. In the crags and the strongholds. It's, it's, I have a new appreciation for making nests. So this nest out here to the left, I want to thank Donnie and Chris. They were a huge help on it. So I'm in the process of making this, this nest, and I have this grandiose idea, right? I'm thinking, dude, I can get this done in four hours. What's to making a nest? Yeah, if you're planning on four hours, go ahead and plan for 16 to 24, okay? That's what you need to plan on for. So I'm making it out there in the garage, and I'm, I'm having a good time, and finally I get to a point where I finally call my friend Donnie, and I say, Donnie, I need you to show up and tell me. If this thing is garbage, let's throw it away. If there's any salvage in it, let's keep making it, man. Well, him and Chris show up, and, and they encourage me. They say, yes, we can make this into an eagle's nest. And I'm telling you, it's a lot harder than it looks. Man, I burned myself with a hot glue gun, and birds don't even have hot glue guns. But I'm in there. I'm cheating. i got to get this dude built, right? And it took like 24 hours with three guys. It was nuts, man. I mean, so I have a hot, I mean, my arms are scratched up. I've got two trailer loads full of, uh, full of uh, tree limbs, and then we got some truck beds. I mean, there's a bunch of stuff out there, and that thing only weighs about 150 pounds. I mean, I have a brand new appreciation for how eagles build nests. And it was so funny. I, I was in the midst of it, and I had it all laid out. I said, now, what do you guys want me to do? Man, I'm here. I will get it prepped for us. So tomorrow when you show up, it was Friday. Saturday when you show up, don't worry about it. I'll have it prepped. So all we have to do is put it together. What can I continue to do? They looked at me and they said, this is what we want you to do, Matt. We want you to go buy the supplies from Walmart and don't show up until we get here tomorrow. <laughs> I was like, thanks a lot, dude. <laughs> thanks a lot. It's amazing. Eagles have up to three nests. To build one nest, it takes three months. Swooping down, getting a stick, building it. Swooping down, getting a stick, building it. They can weigh up to a ton. I mean, it's nuts. But they've chosen to build their home on high. And, and some of the literature that I was reading solidified this fact, that outside of something that just happens that's nuts, the nest won't blow down. The nest won't be destroyed. You're trying to make your home on high, and I want to commend you on that. I'm talking to parents and grandparents out here. You're doing your very best to leave a legacy for your children and for your grandchildren and for your grandchildren's children. And it feels like what the eagle does. Man, it feels like it's one stick at a time. Yeah. Can I encourage you to keep building it? Yeah. 
because you're building something that lasts a lifetime. See, the eagle's nest is incredible for this reason, that once they get it built, outside of shoring up the edges sometimes, they'll live the rest of their life in that nest and use it. So don't get discouraged what you're building. You're trying to build your home on high, and you've got some rules in your home. There's some things that you just will not allow on your screens. There's some things in behavior that you just will not allow in your home. There's some stuff like that. I want to encourage you to keep doing it because you're building something that will last a le- that for a legacy that will last past your kids and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren. But just like the eagle, you swoop down, pick up a stick. You swoop down, you pick up a stick. Don't be discouraged because what you're building, God is in the midst of. And what you're building will protect and lead and guide and be a shelter for the ones way past your time. But we have to say, God, I want to seek your will and your calling. I want to make my home up on high. I don't want to be gravel on the ground. I want to be in the hill on high. John Maxwell talks about this. He talks about the difficulty of of living an uphill life. So what happens is we want to go uphill, but what stops us so many times is downhill behavior. You ever had that? And this is the problem. Whenever we have that, we look like a chicken. Whenever we have downhill behavior and then we choose a downhill life path, now we look like a turkey. But whenever we choose an uphill life with uphill behavior, now we got our wings out there where we can soar and do what God's called us to do. Anything in life that you chase is going to be uphill. And you have to watch that downhill behavior. We have our children's camp at Anadarko, and I, I like to bring my bicycle to it, just sneak away for about an hour. And I was asking the person who runs the camp, I said, where's the best place to go ride my bike at? Because there was a busy highway. He said, go up here, take a ride about a mile, go up left. He said, you'll love it. Well, he was kind of right. It was a lot of fun for the first mile, but then that dude was uphill for like 10 minutes. Like sweat's pouring off of me, dude. Like I'm thinking if that dude's even saved at the camp or if he wanted to get the preacher. You know what I mean? Now, what in the world? So I finally make it up to the top. Well, I turn around. Dude, I fly down that hill. What took me 10 minutes to get up, it seemed like, I was down it in about two. I mean, I was going like 25, 30 miles an hour on my bicycle, leaning into the curves, man. But the funny thing is, well, the good thing is I didn't crash, amen. That would have hurt. But the other thing is this, that that downhill behavior is so bad because what has taken you so long to go uphill to get... Some misjudgments, you can slide back down quicker than you can get up. It takes a lot of force to swoop down and to carry that stick back up. But the home, the nest, God's will, God's calling that you're actively seeking is worth it. Don't give up on it. We were made to soar, but the flight's going to take action. So you keep actively seeking what God's called you to seek. And the, the third thing here is Colossians chapter 3, verse 2. Paul says, listen, after you do all that, I want you to set your mind on the things that are above. So we've been raised with Christ. Now we set our minds on the things above. What is he asking us to do? Let's elevate our perspective. Every one of us has the ability 
to interpret what's going around us, what's going on around us. And, and, and many times we can get so concerned with what's going on around us that we forget to look what is above us. An eagle makes their home on high, and then they have an incredible ability to have an elevated perspective. Those guys can see a prey up to three miles away. Can you believe that? So an average human has 20-20 vision. An eagle has 20-5, so they have 25 vision. So that means what we can see clear at 20 feet, they can see it as if it was only five feet away. In our eye, we have 200,000 cones, which is what receives light. We have 200,000 cones per square millimeter. In an eagle's eye, they have over 2 million cones per square millimeter. It's so intense that a vole is a little animal that trots on the ground like a little rat. And if it, now stay with me here, but if it urinates, and you're only talking about a pound, that the eagle can interpret how the light reflects off the urine and know where the prey is. That's the perspective that the eagle has. Now, God has given us the opportunity and the ability to have that same perspective if we continue to make our nest, our home, our calling, and seek the high calling of Jesus. Amen? Where'd you go? Dude, if they would have played, do, 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 that'd been way better. <laughs> oh, that's so funny to me. Hey, things happen, man. Welcome to the world of technology. We see that we're to make our nest on high and elevate that perspective. It's amazing when you think about the eyesight of an eagle, because the eyesight of the eagle, their eyes are actually as big as our eyes. Yet they can look right in front of them and see the prey on the ground. So whenever they're at a dive, going straight down at their prey, they're actually looking forward. It's just the amazing advantage that they have. See, we only see about 180 degrees. Eagles can see 340 degrees. Job, Job writes this about the eagle. From there, from their home, their nest on high, he spies out the prey. His eyes behold it from far away. This is my question. Is the exceptional eyesight of the eagle what causes them to soar? Or is their calling to soar and God's equipped them with exceptional eyesight? See, God has called every one of us to soar. But at times we get a little nervous because we've got to take a leap of faith out of the nest. And God, I, I don't know if I can do it. I mean, I don't have this. I don't have that. I don't know if I'm worthy. I mean, I've never done this before. Moses ran into this in Exodus chapter 4, verse 12, where God said, he's arguing with God about his mouth. I can't speak. He goes, listen, you go and do what I told you to, told you to do, and then I'm going to follow up and help you with your mouth. So I would challenge you today with the eyesight was equipment for what God has called them to do. And God has called each and every one of you to do what you are called to do, to seek that high calling. Let God equip you as you move along, but don't be too fearful to jump out of the nest and let him handle it. 
It's whenever we go and say, God, I need some help because I need some help in the peripherals here. I, I don't know what's going on, but I know you're in the midst of it. And I want to encourage you with this. You might feel like you're flying blind, but let me tell you something. You're not flying blind. In Psalms 146, it says simply this, that God opens the eyes of the blind. See, whenever we didn't know him, our eyes were covered. But now that we walk in the Spirit, our eyes are open to those things. And I want to encourage you, confront yourself. Actively seek that will that God has placed on your life, His will and His calling. But at the same time, fight for that higher perspective. I'm not making decisions for me. Every decision that we should try to make would be for what's going on around us. And it's hard because it feels like you're picking up sticks. But what you're building will last a lifetime. What you're building will affect your kids and your grandkids. I know it's difficult. And you're not flying blind because Christ is there with you. We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you are encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory and hope changes everything.